0: Welcome to The Network, our attempt at creating a modern podcast version of the Negro Motorist Green Book. With each interview, we are building a network of talented professionals that you can reach out and touch. Every episode is an invaluable resource for Black people living in and traveling through America. Today, on Episode 6, we have a conversation with Grambling State University graduate and veteran educator Mamie Miller-Prajean. We talk about her journey from Labo, Louisiana, population 167, to lead counselor at a Texas high school with more than 3,500 students. Now, here's our interview with Mamie. All right, here we go. Today's guest is Mamie Miller-Prajon. Welcome, Mamie.
1: Hello. Thanks for having me.
0: Good, good. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us a little bit of your background.
1: Oh, all right. Where do I start? I guess I'll start my family first. I am a mother... And I'm a wife, but I'm a mother of three sons, uh, grown sons. (laughs) They're uh, 25, 23, and 20. So um, that has opened up a new part of my life of trying to figure out what I am going to do with my life. But I'm an educator. I've been an educator for 22 years, Um, working in any type of educational environment you can think of.
0: Okay. So... Go ahead and and just, you know, give us some details of that. Tell us exactly what you've done in your 22 mm-hmm. years as an educator.
1: You know, I I started off fresh out of college um, working at a private school called mm-hmm. Notre Dame High School in Crowley, Louisiana, and okay. uh, that school was about 99.5% of white, and I- Tell us about was, <laughs> that
0: 995
1: about ninety nine point five,
0: yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm real curious about that point five.
1: <laughs> right, right. Um, <laughs> I th- I mean, honestly, I think we had five students that were black.
0: Did you experience any culture shock going from Grambling to this to this private school?
1: I didn't, um, because one thing about Grambling is that they prepared us for all cultures, all ex- all environments. So um, this was not a culture shock to me. Like, as a matter of fact, when I was, um, when they called and offered me the job, they said, okay, we, we would like to offer you the job for English and drama teacher, uh, but okay. we have to tell you this. And I'm like, oh gosh, well, what are they about to say? You know, they say, look, you're gonna be the only black on this campus. You know, and I said, oh, okay, no problem. That was my initial response to them, hung up. Okay. My parents at the time, I was over at their home when I got the call. I look at them and I say, hey, they said I'm going to be the only black, but I'm pretty sure I'll find a cafeteria worker, a custodian, or somebody that I can talk to in the hallways. you know. Now, mm-hmm. when I got there, um, no, I was really the only black there. Um, yeah, everybody else was white.
0: Okay. Yeah. So... How long were you there? And then where did you go yeah, I from there?
1: Was there for three years? And one thing about private school, especially in Louisiana, is that they do not pay. And so I decided to go to public school and I did one year at Eunice High School in Eunice, Louisiana. And um, that's when we decided to move to Houston. And so uh, moved to Houston and I started working immediately at Jack Yates High School. Um, okay. So I'm going from this private school that's 99.5 to Yates, which was probably about 90% Black, you know. In, um,
0: in historic Third Ward, Texas.
1: Historic Third Ward, Texas, which um, when we moved here, it was, oh my gosh, why are you taking a job in Third Ward? You know, like mm-hmm. what's going on? And I, I've always been taught like I can handle any environment. Um, that's just from my childhood experiences, but um, and then from my college years, you know. So I was like, sure, I'm just gonna give it a chance. I'm not gonna go off of what people are saying. Clueless because I'm a country girl. I grew up <laughs> in Lebo, Louisiana, and a little bit in Sunset, Louisiana. You might find Sunset on the on the map, but you definitely will not find Lebo. So I so mean. <laughs> listen.
0: I actually did, did a little research, Okay. and I was curious as to the population of LeBeau. Mm-hmm. Do you know the population of LeBeau,
1: mm-hmm. according to the
0: official census?
1: According to the official census, they would probably say LeBeau, I would give them a high 500 people.
0: 167.
1: <laughs> well, so now I'm going to really throw <laughs> you for a loop, because I claim LeBeau, because it's larger than where I actually grew up, which is called Rosa. So we're right off the highway in Laboe, but it's Rosa, not Rosa. It's just uh, two families, the Bush oh, wow. family and the Shotan family. So.
0: <laughs> okay, so when you yeah. when you say you're a country girl.
1: I am a country girl. Like, like if you think about country, that's me. I didn't have a cable growing up, so we played outside from dusk to dawn. Um, very creative. Uh, I, I really appreciate the way I grew up. We, uh, when you talk about eating um, just off the land, that was us. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, if we wanted a pear, we'd go pick a, pick one off the tree. If we wanted watermelon, we'd go to my grandfather's, Uh, you know, gar- everything. We had corn, watermelon. We had anything you can think of. Um, they butchered their meat, so we didn't really go to stores, which were a good distance from us. Uh, but it was a great way of growing up Mm -hmm. okay Okay. so i um so so you you know so you take a girl like that (laughs) and then you place her in third ward and that was probably my best experience ever
0: ever Um, talk about that
1: talk about that i'm
0: I'm real curious i I,
1: we have tradition in louisiana in schools we really do Mm -hmm. um you know, like basketball is bigger than football in, in the state of Louisiana, in my opinion, just from my, especially in country schools. Um, mm-hmm. but, but getting to Yates, it was a different tradition. Like I am teaching generations of, of, of families there. Like, you know, their grandmother attended, their mom attended, now they're attending. They're not living in Third Ward, but they're busing from all over because it was school of choice in HISD. You know, mm-hmm. so um, mm-hmm. it was a it, entirely different way of thinking. You know, everything they thought, they, they thought at the highest degree. Like we can win anything we want to. We are the best. And, you know, it's just a different way of thinking. You know, people think of third, It was just a great mentality that they had. You know, and so they would say, uh, "You're not scared to go to third ward." And I'm gonna tell people, I don't know what you guys know about third ward. But I'm there at El- because I was doing uh, theater over there. So Mm -hmm. I'd be there sometimes 10, 11 o'clock at night, sometimes with my little ones, you know, my, my, my sons, they they were young at the time and they were attending a charter school in that area, you know, but we'd be there late at night and people always look out for us. I can remember I would drop my kids home because um, my students home because they didn't have transportation. And so if I Mm -hmm. wanted them to stay and participate in theater, first of all, I had to wait till football practice was over. Because, you know, wow. um, yeah. you know, we had it was a smaller population, so I'm not going to try to compete with sports. I'll just say, okay, I'll run my practice afterwards, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we would go and drop these kids home. And, um, you know, the kids would stand at the end of the street and say, okay, Miss P, I'm going to watch you leave and get to the stop sign. Then you'll be fine and everything. You know, and the families with the moms, the dads would come out. Thank you. You know, I'm just getting off work. But just awesome Awesome experience. Mm-hmm. You
0: spend three years at Jack Yates. Yes. Um where from there?
1: So um actually I then went to a little place called Atascocita Middle School. And it was only because there was a principal that came up to Yates and said, Hey, you know, we're looking for a theater teacher. It's an um well, Atascosita area, same area. Um, would you be interested? And I'm like, man, I'm trying to get closer home. Sure, I'll do it. So went over there did exactly that but then I walked into the principal's office like at the end of the year and he was like I know you just don't like junior high school and, and it wasn't only that at that time I was working on my master's you know in counseling mm-hmm. so I was like yeah plus I'm looking for um, a counseling job and the good thing about every campus I left is that I left uh, left with a great relationship with the leadership and with other good. teachers. So um, when he heard that I was looking for a counseling job, he's like, I tell you what, I'm going to put in a good word for you at Humble High School. You know, and that's, then I got that position. Like, um, as a matter of fact, they hired me as a counselor before I even finished my program. You know, but that was a great experience. And I went on over to Decaney <laughs> High School. Um, okay. Which... The students there reminded me of Decaney, That's in Spring ISD. The students there reminded me a lot of my Yates students. Um, okay. So they brought okay. like back that joy because you know it was just a joy to work with the kids at Yates and going to Decaney, It was it was really a joy to work with them. Um, you know, at Decania, that's when I realized that um, I started going with the dozen of eggs philosophy. You know, and I said, you know, when I'm shopping. I open up a dozen of eggs. If I see one crack, I put the dozen back, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. because I just assume something's wrong with the entire dozen. Mm-hmm. And um, that, that was what was happening at Decaney, you know? And so when okay. people would ask me my opinion, okay. I would go with a dozen of eggs and they would quickly get it. I'm like, you know, the other 11 are great, but you take, yeah. you have one. And you know, that's just life in general. You right. know,
0: Right. So, yeah, that's a good analogy. That's mm-hmm. a good analogy. So now you're in counseling
1: Yes, yes. I was in counseling from Umble to Decaney and then my last stop. <laughs> and I'm calling it my last stop because I'm pretty sure I'm going to just retire here.
0: So, mm-hmm. 22 years in education, yes. um, going into year 23. So we got teaching, counseling, mm-hmm. performing arts. Tell me a little bit about your performing arts background.
1: Okay. Um, honestly, like remember, I, I grew up country, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um my family were all just performers, artists. Like I have just a mixture of everything, but my my mom and her brothers, my mom it was 13 of them. But my mom and her brothers, they Did had you say 13? 13 of them. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but they had a family band. And I want to say like everybody in that family touched an instrument, like played an instrument and at some point was some part of the band, even if it was managing the band. Um, what
0: was the name of the band
1: their band was called flashback
0: flashback so flashback okay. so
1: and it's because they did a, they did a little bit of everything they would go back to the old r&b um you know they would go to uh, zodico they did um fleetwood Mac, like whatever you would ask them to do they could perform and they were okay. all self-taught you know um so there was no formal lessons. So they just picked up instruments and would go for it. And um so I would go around like anytime I had a chance, I would go around and um listen to them. And then like I said, we didn't have cable, so we were outside creating games and, and plays and I can I can recall like uh, my sister and my cousins and my aunt that's around my age. Uh, When we actually got a camcorder, we started recording videos, like Video Soul. You know, we just uh, thought we we would just find anything that we could do. Um, And so that gave me kind of that creative, that creative performing arts background. Enjoying this episode so far? Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, Google, Breaker, Radio Public, or Pocket Casts. Now back to the show. Back in the day, there were course catalogs where mm-hmm. everything was mm-hmm. like in a book, you know, so I would go and sit in my dorm room and just flip through the different majors. Like, you know, I'm just like, because when I first yeah. got there, I think I was a hit. Well, I know for sure I was a history major because my goal was to go to law school. And so, okay. you know, as a history major, they place you in honors history classes and stuff like that. And I'm like, God, this is boring. Um, finally, I settled on theater arts because I was, first I was shocked. I was like, wait a minute, there, there's a theater major? You know, um, mm-hmm. but then I had a conversation with a professor and I can remember the conversation. Um, she, you know, she just stopped me and that's how Grambling was. They would just stop you, want to know a little bit about you. You know, and one day she said, oh, no, what's your major? You know, and I told her theater. She said, what are you going to do with it? And I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to act, you know? She was mm-hmm. like, mm. she said, you know, we have a theater education major, you know, where you could switch over to education and still do your acting, but also teach it. And that just really stood out because my dad always told me and my sisters, you know, you really need to go into education to make sure you always have a job. You know, like growing up in the country, we had um, very rural schools with not many. So I didn't have electives like these kids on my campus have so many electives to choose from. You know, I took ad courses like I was in welding and and construction, you know, because that's all we offered at that campus um, besides being in sports. Mm -hmm. So I did all the sports. I did my ad classes. I think we had choir. So I did choir for a little bit. Um, But, you know, that's all we had. So we grew up. um, It was a different type of it. In in Louisiana, it's unfortunately is still very um, segregated, Uh and um, the education systems are still not where they should be. Um, So you know, I didn't have all those options. So going to Grambling it was eye opening, like for a bunch of things, like including I was behind when I got there. You know, let Um, me
0: let me ask you this.
1: Mm-hmm. because
0: the the population of LeBeau is 167. Right. So you you're going to high school out in this rural area. Right. You you told us about the electives or lack of electives.
1: Mm-hmm. How many
0: people were in your graduating class?
1: Mm. Okay, I had one of the largest, if not the largest graduating um class at North Central High School. That's where I was started off at Sunset High and then finished at North mm-hmm. Central. Well, in the middle of going to Palmetto High as well, but um, um, our class was 52 kids. Five, two. Five, two. One wow. of the largest, if not the largest there. Um, and we combined, it was not just LeBeau, like our school was a combination of a lot of small towns. So we had Palmetto, we had Melville, we had Morrow, LeBeau, Washington, Um, so we had a lot of those. So we combined all that to make our 52. (laughs) Wow.
0: So, (laughs) so, yeah, that's a rural area.
1: Yeah, very rural.
0: Mm -hmm. You go from, from small Mm -hmm. LeBeau area, Mm -hmm. rural area Mm
1: -hmm. to Grambling. Mm -hmm.
0: What's, what's the transition? Like you just mentioned that when you got to Grambling, you were, you were behind. So what is that transition like from
1: LeBeau to Grambling? So first of all, let's just start off with meeting people that don't have the same mindset like you, um, because mm-hmm. I grew up in a rural area. So I was around a bunch of people. So, you know, we went to rodeos and stuff like that. Well, you know, my roommates, my first roommate was from Chicago. I had one from Chicago, one from New York, and one from, um, you know, what she, she, I think she was from New Orleans, you know, which is a whole different mindset anyway from the way right. I grew up. And, um, but that was eye-opening, especially my roommate from Chicago. Uh, because she had this this city energy that I always said I wanted, you know? <laughs> you know, because mm-hmm. I always said I was a country girl. I was a city girl trapped in a country girl's body, you know? Mm-hmm. Because I would, just using my imagination and all the things, we I would always imagine myself living a certain way, being in New York or, you know, just different cities, cities, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, So, you know, that was the first eye-opening thing of, wow, you know, I was so, impressed.
0: Never so you're at Grambling State, which is at right. HBCU.
1: HBCU, and, yes. And there are mm-hmm. other
0: students there right. from big-time cities in the country.
1: Big-time cities. As a matter of fact, I didn't know this um, because I, I'll tell you later how I found Grambling, but like in cities, big-time cities, Grambling mm-hmm. is well-known. Grambling Southern, all the HBCUs, like that's where these inner-city kids want to go to. You know, like, th- these are, like, big universities for them. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so with me, I thought, oh, it's just I'm going. And, you know, with, for, when I first went to Grambling to visit, it was like, okay, it's country. All right, I think I'll fit in, blah, 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 you know. Right. But it's kind of like, um, yeah, it, it's not as country as you think. You know, it may be in a little rural area, but it, it, with all the city people that's there, it makes it very city you know. Okay. Um,
0: yeah. How'd you end up at Grambling? What made you choose Grambling State University?
1: Well, I would say uh, one person, Rose Sam, but I'll back up a little bit. Um, And Rose Sam was my counselor. But I'll back up a little bit and just say that um, growing up, I knew I was going to college. Now, it was never said, oh, you're going to college. It's just the way that Mm -hmm. we, we grew up you know, um, our family. And when I say family, I'm talking about grandmother, my mom, my dad, everybody that had a part in my life, you know, Um, and I lived with different people growing up, but growing Mm -hmm. up, I always knew I was going to college. I I always giggle because my sister and I fell in so many labels, you know, um, so many Mm -hmm. categories. We were at risk. I know that we had that check somewhere on our transcripts or our, our, our records in school, um, and you know, we went to three different high schools, but never once in our mind did we take the at-risk mentality, you know? So, um, so, you know, we knew we were going somewhere. So I applied to, um, two different universities. Well, but I applied to one, I was only going to one and that is the largest state university in Louisiana was accepted okay. and everything. Um, but Miss Sam, Miss Rose Sam. She took us, um, and it was just a group of us that she identified that were college material. And, you know, they still do that these days, that college mm-hmm. material. So <laughs> I say a group, it was 11 of us out of our class of 52.
0: That, wow. um
1: Yeah. So she took the 11 of us to um, LSU. Um, I didn't want to name the university, but LSU. The state, okay. The State, the state university, of university of Louisiana. And, you know, um, I'm still a big LSU fan, but going on the campus... I was overwhelmed um she did most of the tour and we didn't really get that personalized you know tour of the campus and um, we also heard some remarks by some students that kind of made us sad you know uh, because it was 11 black kids just walking around you know Um, so it was a bad taste but still i walked away like I'm going there. I'll make it. I'll be fine. You know, <laughs> cause I'm thinking about all the things I've been through in my childhood. I'm like, Oh, I can make this, you know, I, right. we just had, we just had that there's no such thing as can't in our vocabulary, you know, mm-hmm. growing up. Um, but then she said, you know what? I want to take you guys somewhere else. Right. Um, but then she said, I want to take you guys to high school day at Grambling. Okay. And so we were like, what, as a matter of fact, when I was writing down on my permission slip where I was going, I spelled Grambling G R A M B L I N. I forgot the G.
0: Grambling baby.
1: Grambling. <laughs> so, and for the longest I thought it was Gramlin, you know. Okay. But um but we got to the campus and um, first thing is we get off you hear band, the band just you know, just the environment. And so, you know, we were just like country mouse, go to the city. Like our mouths were wide open. We just didn't know they gave us a shirt. Why did they do that? You know, just like, Mm -hmm. wow, wow, this is a big experience. But then you had so many people, alumni stopping and saying, oh, you guys are visiting and and telling us about the university and how proud they were. And immediately I fell in love. Okay. And so I said, um, yeah, this is where I'm going. And so I applied, got accepted, and and that was that for Grambling.
0: But you get to Grambling mm-hmm. and from Lebeau, graduating right. class of fifty-two. <laughs> right. Um you get to Grambling and, and you said that you struggled a little bit.
1: Oh yeah. I struggled talk a about talk A a l- little little bit as an understatement. I struggled a lot. Um my first English class there my professor, anytime I would say something, she would automatically like correct me in front of the entire class, which mm-hmm. would make me shut down and get upset. And, and finally, she, you know, she was like, you know, stay after class. You know, and she was like, I see you getting upset. But she said, do you know why I'm doing this? And I'm like, no. She said, because if I correct you out loud in front of people, you will remember that and make the adjustment to what you're saying. You know. And it was just a lot of South Louisiana Talk that I had, I would um, never finish like the ending of a word. You know, it's just a lot of things that I I would say. Uh, mm. Like uh, one of the things that I said one time is his self. You know, and she's like, "There's no mm-hmm. such thing as his self." You know, and it was embarrassing, and you heard a few people giggle. You know, mm-hmm. um, but then I was like, "Dang!" So you know, she actually gave me a writing book and grammar book. She's like, "You need to." I won't say start over but you really need to work on this. But she said, but you'll be okay. You know, Mm -hmm. she didn't say Mm -hmm. you can't do college. She said, you'll be okay. Now, Mm -hmm. I don't think I would have received that same, I may be wrong, but I don't think I would have received that same feedback and help from a larger state university. Um, That's just a few examples, but I was behind. You know, like these kids coming in from these city schools, They knew their stuff. They knew how to write an APA, MLA. I didn't know how to write a paper.
0: Right. (laughs) So you're that quote unquote at risk student.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. So I know that you like to spread the yes you can belief to anyone. Yeah. Who is given the opportunity.
1: Oh yeah. Talk about that. You know, it's just, um, you know, at a certain age, these kids, um, They're very hard on themselves, and they can be very negative. And and our kids, um, they need to learn a little bit more of resilience. Back in the day, that's one thing we were taught, resilience. Like, our parents Mm -hmm. made us figure stuff out, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But it doesn't happen like that these days for most of the kids. So my yes, you can is when they come in with anything negative, I switch it to them and say, oh, you can do that. Well, no, I can't. Oh, yes, you can you know um and and they're looking at me like how you know and I say listen you'd be amazed at what half the teachers have been through on this campus to get to where they are you can do it trust me so let's take baby steps like how do we get to this of course you can't go from a to z like in a matter of 10 seconds like we're gonna right. have to and I said it may be roads that we have to go around to get to this. like a detour but you can, you know, so I don't let the kids, um, I don't let my students, any of the students have that I can't mentality, you know, because of, I'm looking at my, the way I grew up. And I mean, truly, I am not supposed to be where I am. If you let society and statistics tell you about your background, you know, I'm not supposed right. to be where I am.
0: No, that That's huge. So you're working with kids, mm-hmm. not only as a counselor, but you mm-hmm. mentioned that you got a promotion in counseling right. to the lead counselor. Right. So mm-hmm. we're talking about, you know, and, and I want our listeners to understand that LeBeau, Louisiana,
1: mm-hmm.
0: at-risk student, graduating class of 52, ends up at Grambling State University. Right. The teacher has to, you know, give me a, a grammar book to explain these things. So right. now I'm not. Counselor, but I'm, I was a teacher mm-hmm. and then I became a counselor now I'm the lead counselor so mm-hmm. there's no way you can come into my office and tell me you can't do something because right. you you are the embodiment of what can be done
1: Right. there
0: had to be some passion driving that so what are you passionate about right?
1: but but I'm, a, I'm truly passionate about opening doors for students and letting them see other opportunities because that happened for me, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of kids that they will hit you with that, I'm not college material. Oh, okay, what about trade school? Um, What about junior college, you know? uh, Mm -hmm. If you say you're going straight to workforce, what job? Hey, let's get that resume done. You know, like we sat down with with the counseling department and and, and that's my passion, like to get people to see it, like get the counselors to see it like with the counselors, we we sit down and figure out ways to get everybody. We said one time, no kid will leave out of here without applying to college, junior college, trade school, or submitting a resume or applying to a job. So we set our goal for every senior will have to do something, you know. So every year, like our graduating rate this year was uh, 99%, you know. And and and, 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 I'll tell you, and and listen, we had eleven 1, hundred and twenty-four kids, you know, <laughs> but but we always wow. set our goals higher. So my passion is to never quit. You know, like sometimes we, can, it's, you're in education, so you know it's tricky. Like once you hit that magic number, you kind of like ease off the gas. You know, mm-hmm, so my passion mm-hmm. is to keep my, my foot on the, uh, on the um, pedal, you know, just keep that gas going to it because there's always something else we can reach. There's always a group of kids that we're missing. Um, you know, and also I, I take the opportunity anytime to tell any race about HBCUs. You know, okay. I, say, you know, I okay. do because, um, you know, we take a group of kids from here and um, our percentage on our campus, I think is 11% now of, of African-American students. We pile a busload of kids of all races and we take them to um, what's closer to us is Prairie View A&M. We take take them to Prairie View every every year, you know, and we have kids. I had a kid in the top 5% go to Prairie View this year on a full scholarship, you know, but it was through us opening and breaking those stereotypes of HBCUs. That's where people go if they can't make it anywhere else. I can go on and on about my passions, but you know, because I also work with student athletes um, and I, and I help them um, along as far as with, you know, the coaches help them with the, the athletic recruiting process. I Mm -hmm. help them prepare for the collegiate level and I help them understand how to get there core GPA where it needs to be and I'm not talking about the little 2.3 that NCAA say they want I'm right. talking about you go in with a 3.5 core GPA you can basically get whatever and you have the right athletic ability you can mm-hmm. go wherever you want to go
0: you can go everywhere you
1: know, yeah I, I can sell you to anyone because guess who those college coaches call first they call your counselor you know, they want to see all those records and they want to know about you. You know, so so yeah. my passion also is working with student athletes. And I've had some pretty big time student athletes go on. And one thing I, t- I let them leave out of here with is I'm like, and never forget you. Don't lose you in all of this, um, because it's easy for any of us, not just athletes, to go somewhere in, t- in a different environment. I could have easily gone to Grambling and forgot who I was and lost me and tried mm-hmm. to mimic my friends from Chicago or my friends from New York, you know, but I never lost the who I
0: am. Yeah. I I tell you what um, the kids and parents that get to work with you are blessed. Uh, I'm not even going to say lucky because it's beyond luck um, to have somebody in the field of education that is going to those lengths and depths to make sure that their kids are taken care of is special. That's Mm, a very, very, very special thing. So let me ask you this. Just one question before we move on to the next thing. Okay. Um, impact. Where do you think you've had the most impact as a teacher or a counselor?
1: I think I've had the most as a counselor. Um, you know, you know, like in my teaching experiences, there was a few things like when I was at Notre Dame, I got to break those um Those stereotypes that they had, you know, because I told the students, I said, Hey, you ask me anything you want to know about me, because for the most part, I was their first black teacher ever, ever. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about 10th, 11th, and 12th graders that had never had a black teacher. So, you know, I opened that way. But I think as a counselor, I can do so much more. But I respect the teachers because they build those relationships. But as a Mm -hmm. counselor, I get to dig deep, you know, like I'll pull up a kid, I'll hear a name. If a teacher's struggling with a kid, I pull up a kid. I want to go all the way back to first grade because I can look at records, you know, mm-hmm. and say, let me mm-hmm. see where this kid kind of did that detour. And let's see how we can get that kid back. You know, Or I'll call a kid in and say, hey, I see you in all level classes. But, man, you know, I'm looking at your PSAT scores and you really should try an honors class. You know, I'm doing things that didn't happen for me.
0: All right. We're going to change lanes here just a little bit. Okay. Tell us what keeps you up at night.
1: Oh, well, like I mentioned earlier, I have um, three sons, 25, 23, and 20. They can't, that keeps me up at night with this current environment. Um, I worry, you know, um, they consider themselves grown, and I'll use that word consider. Um, so, you know, I, I try not to check in all the time and bother them as a mom, but I do mm-hmm. worry at night, um, just are they okay? are people treating them the way i would treat others you know so yeah
0: okay so what does the teacher counselor um performing arts background educator read what are you reading right now
1: (laughs) i read um i'm gonna be honest with you i'm not gonna sit up here and pretend like i read all kind of um educational books i don't i read what my principal (laughs) tell me i have to read each year um i do like john garden books um but I like it also because they're short and to the point, you know, and there's not this big, you know, so I can go with John Uh Gordon anytime. Um, But honestly, when I want to read just to relax my brain and not think about anything, I like to dig into a lot of um, fiction. Okay. Like right now I'm reading um, a book called black girls must die exhausted you know, and it's like in the characters, I can identify something with me. And, you know, it's just a good read. It's not making you angry or anything. It's not turning you into an angry Black woman, but it's showing you different things uh, that you may encounter as as a Black girl. So I, I like reading that. Um, and just really anything that's going to make my heart smile. You ever heard someone say, it just makes my heart smile. It just makes, it yeah. relaxes me and feels good. So, yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, Do you... Well, let's talk about music before we talk about
1: podcasts. Okay.
0: um, You come from a family of musicians. What are you listening to?
1: Okay, so because I come from a family of musicians, I listen to everything. So every day I can truly say my playlist. My playlist is crazy. I have about I think I'm up to eight hours of songs on my playlist. So I can really go to Louisiana and back using one playlist. But um, okay. I have a mixture. Um, you may find my, I do have my country music that I love. Then you have, um, I, I'm really into this um, African artist right now called Akunle. He is um, Atakumle Gold. And I may be screwing that up because that's my Louisiana uh, tongue. But um, Atakumle okay. Gold, like I think he has one of the purest, voices out there you know and so i love giving listening to his music because it blends in a little bit of reggae african beats you know and um so i can really vibe to him Uh, but listen i can go from listening to gospel on one song then ugk pops on you know because my playlist is all over the place so (laughs) it's very diverse (laughs) very very diverse and i recommend that everyone um, have a diverse palette of music, you know, not just focus on, I tell my youngest that all the time, man, you can't just be listening to the, the baby, this baby and all that you got to listen to all of, you know, every yeah. type of music so you can have conversations with people, you know, right, right.
0: Okay, good. All right. So podcast. This is a podcast. Mm-hmm. Yes, Glad I love your podcast. <laughs> so what what other podcasts are you listening to besides this one?
1: You know, honestly, I'm I just finished 1619, um, which was a very good podcast. Um, I recommend that for anyone that that just wanna kind of hear a little bit of history and everything. That that was really good. Um, 1619 and then um I also like to listen to one called the little rock nine. Um, my dad's from Arkansas he lives in little rock. So it gives me a little bit of that, um, background. Plus as an educator, it's good. Um, And let's see, um, there's one, I can't think of their name right now. Um, Oh, it's Girls Worth Fighting For. But, you know, growing up in Louisiana, I grew up Catholic. And this is a bunch of Catholic girls, just black girls talking about things they're experiencing these days. So that's a pretty good one also. Um, um, You know, honestly, you, uh, with your podcast and 1619, my husband told me about 1619, like a long time ago. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like to listen to people talk. But then when I start listening to it, like I would drive in to work listening and then drive out. So with your podcast in 1619, it just keeps my brain like going. So I, I'm really starting to get into podcast.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, um, welcome to the genre.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Welcome to the genre. Okay. So we have two segments left. Okay. Rapid fire. And you didn't ask. Okay. So this, this rapid fire segment, I'm going to ask you a few questions, and then you're just going to answer straight from the dome. Okay. 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 Try to make it easy on you. If you could have a superpower, what would it be and why?
1: My superpower would be a mute button because sometimes people don't know when to stop talking and they're digging themselves deeper. You know, um, so there's times where I would just want to hit mute on people.
0: Okay. (laughs) Okay. Good. That's a good one. That's a good one. If you could be any flavor of ice cream,
1: mm-hmm. what
0: ice cream flavor would you be and
1: why? I would definitely be the strawberry flavor, even though that's not the flavor I would eat. But that strawberry, I find like if, if you think of like a banana split, which one stands out the most? It's not the chocolate out of vanilla. It's that strawberry that's sitting right in the middle. So mm-hmm. I like to stand out in, as far as when I'm doing things. So strawberry.
0: Okay. Okay, that's that uh, theater background that performs. Right. Okay. <laughs> if you could talk in your sleep, what would you say?
1: I would, I would say, Gerald, stop snoring, please. <laughs> stop.
0: Okay. <laughs> All right. Two more. I got two more questions for you. Okay. Two more questions for you. What is the lowest grade you have ever been given? Mm-hmm. And what class was it?
1: It was, um, I want to say, I, I think, I don't know if we called it American history or U.S. history. It might have been called American history in seventh grade. Um, okay. Coach Halpin gave me a doggone D. And he gave me a doggone D because he said I couldn't shut my mouth up. And, he didn't know
0: um, that you were from a, a family of performing
1: artists. Right. Who just, didn't we have know. to talk. You know, um, right. and so he gave me a D. Um And, but, but my parents never knew that because I switched that D to an A. (laughs) (laughs)
0: There it is. There it is. Right. Coach Halpin, you thought. Right. You you thought thought you gave her a D, Coach Halpin. You thought you got me, but mm -mm. (laughs) mm-mm. Okay, here we go. Last question. If you were running for office, Mm. what would your campaign slogan be?
1: Hmm. (laughs) I'd I'd kind of go with almost Nike, but I would just say, just do it, you know, because sometimes we talk too much, you know, it's, it's talking through what we got to do, what we will do and all that. My slogan would be, I'm just, I'm just going to do it, you know? Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. Good. All right. This last segment. Okay. It's called you didn't ask.
1: You didn't ask.
0: So my older brother, who I just think the world of, One day he told me that you can't give people advice they didn't ask for because they don't listen. So you just can't give unsolicited advice.
1: Right. I don't
0: think I asked him for that advice, but (laughs) it birthed this segment called You Didn't Ask.
1: Right. So
0: what unsolicited advice would you like to share with our listeners today?
1: Listen, it's time. If you are in a bubble, it's time for you to step out of that bubble. And the reason why I'm saying that is because so many times we create excuses for why we can't do something or we're just not going to do it at this time. There's too many excuses. Step out of that bubble. And if you don't step out of that bubble, you remain in a bubble. What's the definition of bubble? Well, a bubble is something that lacks firmness, solidity, or reality. So if you're stuck in a bubble, you're lacking firmness, solidity. You're basically lacking reality. Um, So that's you didn't ask, but that's what I'm telling you.
0: Hey, come on, people, step out of your bubble. Mamie Miller-Prajean, it has been absolutely wonderful. Welcome to the network. Thank you.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for joining us this week on the network. For more info on today's guest, be sure to check the show notes. While you're at it, we'd appreciate it if you gave us a five-star rating on iTunes, or if you simply share or just tell a friend about the show. Every kind gesture helps us move in the right direction. Make sure you tune in next week for Episode 7 with Dr. Charlene Senegal Dequeer, Associate Professor and History Department Chair at Xavier University. Peace.